The Bee. The Bee. The Bee. Welcome to the Beat Podcast, where we continue our coverage of the playoffs. I'm MJ here with BD. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Well, I think that's that's all the teams from the first round. Um, we'll just basically briefly talk about who we think is going to win since the games haven't happened. We'll give our, our predictions. And we'll start with the East again, since we've kind of been doing that, so I guess we'll stick to, uh, to the same format. Um, so Atlanta, Washington, if there's going to be an upset in the second round, I would I would be able to see uh, Washington beating Atlanta. I think it's going to be a long series. Both of those teams are you know good. I mean, um, both teams will have better quality opponents to play against. So I think maybe Washington in six, possibly seven games. And not that Atlanta can't win it, I just think that um, you know, Paul Pierce has a lot of experience and he'll be able to help Washington go really deep in the playoffs. And I think that, I think they'll do it. I think six, seven games Washington for me. I'm going to I'm gonna be devil's advocate. I'm going to go Atlanta, six, six games maybe. I think Washington has an edge just because of Paul Pierce. I feel like a lot of the younger guys, especially John Wall, really uh get a lot out of Paul Pierce. Having won a championship, I feel like he gives them confidence. But um Atlanta has been great all year, and they've got a well-rounded team. So I'll go with Atlanta, but I wouldn't be surprised at all because, you know, Paul Paul Pierce is pretty much the leader of that team, even if he's not the best player. So. Yeah, not that Atlanta can't win. I just think that there's just something to how that, that I think of how poorly they played against Brooklyn. And how amazing yeah. Washington was just able to destroy Toronto. Now that's a really good point. Washington played a better team <laughs> and did better. <laughs> Atlanta played a worse team and right. did okay. But but that happens. I mean, I remember in two thousand eight when Boston won their championship against the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers cruised on by almost. I mean, they even beat the Spurs to end their uh chance of repeating that year. They beat them I think four to one and Boston struggled in every series. They went like seven games, six or seven games in every, <laughs> and then they ended up winning the championship and beat the Lakers. So that doesn't, you know, that doesn't always mean much. But just, you know, there's more to it than just looking at the the outcome of the series for why we picked the way we did. But you know, sometimes teams just struggle because I remember thinking that year, like, wow, Boston's such a good team. Why are they having hard time yeah. you know, winning? Especially in the first, second round, they went to seven games both times, but they still won the championship. So sometimes, really, it could mean anything. It, it could mean they're struggling. Yeah. But sometimes it, it means that. Well, sometimes what happens is the teams really grow from those experiences, and it makes them better. So sure, sure. Yeah, I'm I get, I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Well, the most I think the the most exciting Eastern Conference matchup that everyone's been waiting for all years about to happen. Unfortunately, it's not going to be exactly what everyone wanted since Kevin Love isn't going to be part of it. So Cleveland, Chicago, um, I'm, I'm picking Chicago in six or seven, most likely seven games because 
Cleveland doesn't have Kevin Love and J.R. Smith isn't going to be there for two games. I think if they had Kevin Love, I would have picked Cleveland just because you know they would they would need him because Chicago is deep. They have you know obviously they don't have LeBron James, so he gives them an advantage over anyone as an individual. But Chicago has more depth, you know, overall better team and better coach. And then Pau Gasol, I think, isn't going to really be challenged because years ago when, when he played against Perkins in the finals in 2010, he did a really good job yeah. against him. Perkins you know, struggled to guard him, I think, or at least Powell was able to be very effective at, at the least against him. So without Kevin Love there, and that would have been maybe my favorite matchup to see those two guys play against each other in the playoffs. That would have been pretty cool. Because both of them are, they're not really power guys. Yeah. They're more, you know, finesse and skill and, and smarts. So it would have been very fun to watch. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that. But I think mainly because, you know, Pau Gasol will be able to, and, and Noah are going to be more effective getting rebounds, defense, and getting some of those easy layups and dunks that Cleveland will maybe have a hard time with now that they don't have Kevin Love. And maybe like when it's a, it's a long game, both teams are playing well, down the stretch, that might affect Cleveland quite a bit because they won't have Kevin Love and that's I think the the edge even though I'm sure LeBron will have like some you know 40 or 50 point games to where he can overcome that but I think that's maybe what he'll need to do for them to be able to beat Chicago the way I look at this series uh for me I feel like the winner is the team going to the championship game I, I picked Cleveland in six um you know I, I think BD makes a lot of great points and it definitely hurts them to not have Kevin Love. Uh I think where we differ is I just feel like it will have less of an impact than he does. But I mean it's definitely gonna hurt him because especially with the J.R. Smith, that was a really, really dumb thing to do. Um I don't know if he just can't control his emotion or what, but yeah, it's definitely gonna hurt him. Kevin Love, I mean, you know, they got two seven footers on Chicago, so you put Kevin Love on the floor, he stretches, he stretches the floor. So if Paul, if Paul Gasol is guarding him, he's pulling Paul Gasol away from the basket, which makes it easier for LeBron and Kyrie Irving to attack. So that's definitely going to hurt him. Um, both amazing teams, you know. <laughs> and, and if you think about the stupid thing that he did to get himself suspended for two games, I think really changes, it would possibly could change how the series goes because you know, it's going to be tough, I think, for Cleveland to be able to overcome the loss of both players at once. And now they have to play a Chicago team that's you know, obviously very good. Because if they win, if they go one and one, and then they go into Chicago for those other two games, it's just going to be tough for Cleveland maybe to overcome that. It could possibly be, which I don't think so, but it could be like a, a three and one hole that Cleveland digs themselves in. Because those two home games, you know, in a way you're kind of, weakening the home court advantage for Cleveland because no Kevin Love and no J.R. Smith. So, you know, yeah, you, do you play at home, but you don't have two great players now. So if Chicago wins one of those and then they win the two home games, it would be really tough for Cleveland to overcome that. But, you know, we'll see if that happens. But The thing with the, the Cleveland Cavaliers is Kevin Love has had an up-and-down season, and it's been in the news a lot. But even though he's still averaged almost 20 points a game, which is really good, but um, one of the usually when you look at the stat sheet, 
if Kevin Love is, isn't going too hot, J.R. Smith is making up the difference. So that'll that'll definitely hurt him. Um, I like LeBron and Kyrie Irving's ability to score at will. And I like Timothy Mozgov just because he's been so huge for him. be interesting to see if he gets a little bit neutralized going against Joakim Noah and uh, Pau Gasol. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to be an uphill battle. I, you know, I, I honestly, I really think they could survive the Kevin Love injury. But to lose J.R. Smith and whatever, man, that really hurts them. Well, it's going to definitely weaken those two games at home, make the home court advantage not as much of an advantage as it normally would be. I was really disappointed that Kevin Love opted for surgery. You know, you look at the play and it doesn't look like a lot. And obviously, when you watch things in slow motion, it's sort of sometimes it doesn't look as bad as it was. Sometimes it makes it look worse. But, you know, I I remember hearing a story Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain were actually good friends. And they they played each other a lot in the finals. And uh one of the finals, Will Chamberlain didn't play. They they would actually go to lunch together all the time or something. And Will Chamberlain didn't play because of an injury. And uh Bill Russell didn't really respect that and they sort of had a little bit of a falling out for for a few years. And um you know, I remember uh I think it was the year that the Knicks won the championship with Phil Jackson, actually. Willis Reed was injured, and then there's this famous moment in NBA history where Willis Reed comes out and he plays he plays the game. And he's not super effective, but just the fact that he's there really uh, uh, motivates his team and demoralizes the other team, and they end up winning. And, I, and, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's fair to criticize injured players, so I don't want to do that. but at the same time, I mean, I'm just really surprised that they would jump to surgery and not not try to play through it or something. Obviously, you pull your shoulder; that's really big in basketball with shooting. But but uh, I'll take I'll take them at their word that he had to have surgery. But I, I will say that's disappointing. Just uh, watching basketball, Shaq. You know, people maybe criticize Shaq for different reasons, but one thing about Shaq is he always sucks it up. You know, he probably played in the he probably played in the league three years past when he should have because he pretty much was never healthy for the last five years of his career, and he would just take the shot or whatever to numb the pain. You know, obviously, obviously, even though Kevin Love was the was the third player on the Cavs, and some people actually some some NBA analysts actually called it the Big Two, which I thought was insulting and not fair. You know, they they could have used uh Kevin Love obviously and it it would have been it would have been nice to see him, you know, be be on the bench. But I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, it's tough for him. I can uh can't imagine how bad he must be feeling that he can't help the team. But they have to I guess move on without him. So the last two uh uh games or matchups I guess got uh Golden State and Memphis. I think this one probably going to be, it's going to be a tough one, six or seven games. I, I'm th- I'm thinking Memphis over Golden State just because they have more big guys, and their big guys are really good. They're a tough, tougher team, play more physical, and they're more defensively oriented, and that's why you know, I think before everything started, even though we didn't officially say who our number one pick to win it all was, I was going with Memphis just because of yeah, the record doesn't show, I think, as good as, you know, the, you know, the fifth seed that really should be like the fourth seed or something, but 
because the way that they, you know, well, that's one other topic we'll talk about is how they do the seating. And a lot of coaches, I think, and players think it needs to be redone, retooled and modernized a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think Memphis in six or seven is going to be, it's going to be a tough series. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, things go right for them that, you know, it could possibly go to maybe only five or six games because if they figure out a way to make the shots very difficult for Golden State and just kind of knock them around, might shock Golden State and then could end up earlier than we thought. But my pick is Memphis. I definitely uh, pick Memphis as well. For what my money's worth is I feel like the winner of this matchup, to me, like the second round is almost exciting as the finals because I feel like this round determines who will be in the NBA finals. And I feel like uh, it's either going to be Golden State Warriors versus Memphis versus Chicago or Cleveland. Um, I'm going with Memphis. I always thought that about midway through the season, the two teams that could win a championship were the Spurs and Memphis. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Golden State won, but my, and of course, uh, Memphis has an issue with Conley, but what I like about Memphis is their interior and their big men. And I think that'll really help them. Um, Golden State has a good interior, just not as good as Memphis. But yeah, I'm definitely picking Memphis. Uh, I would, I would love to see Memphis win. I'm a, I'm a big fan of seeing teams win that have never won before. Well, we have a good shot of that, right? I mean, yeah. pretty much half of these teams have never won. Cleveland hasn't, I think, in the East, but then they have the Clippers that have never won and, but I would love to see uh, Cleveland or Memphis win it. Sure. Clippers haven't won one, have they? Right, Clippers haven't. This Clippers, the Clippers haven't and Cleveland have yeah. never. Everyone, oh, Washington. Washington has. Washington, I think, did a while ago, back, yeah. in, back in the day. But most of these teams haven't won it in a long time, so anyone winning it would be awesome. Yeah, like Golden State won, but it was such a long time ago, most and people Houston forgot. Houston won it in the 90s, so it's been at least, what, 20 years since they've won it, so... I think this is a pretty exciting uh, year, it looks like, for the NBA because no Kobe and Lakers to win one, no Duncan Spurs anymore to win one, and then no Dwayne Wade because this is the first. I just saw this the other day. I can't remember if it was on ESPN or NBA.com, but this would be the first finals since 99, since Jordan left, basically, that either Kobe, Duncan, or Dwayne Wade have not been a part of it. That's pretty insane. Yeah. Because in 2000, I mean, you, some are saying, why didn't you include LeBron? Because LeBron wasn't in it in 2006 when, when Wayne Wade won his first championship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this would be the first time that, you know, those three guys haven't been part of the finals. In- interesting side note. Me and, me and BD talk about this, but, uh, Chris Webber's really grew as an announcer. Uh, I really like him now. At first, I thought he sort of tried to be a little bit too trendy. And, you know, everybody has their personal preference. I, I like a little bit of professionalism out of my announcers. But uh, I, I really like uh, Chris Chris Weber, And um, I thought he made an interesting comment, uh, Spurs versus Clippers. He said, uh, and, and he wasn't knocking anybody. It was just more of a congratulatory to the Spurs. But he was just like, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't rent a – he said this. He said, they didn't rent a superstar for a year, blah, blah, blah. Basically saying, you know, they just stayed with the formula, had players loyal to the team. So, yeah, I thought that was cool. Sure, and then I think this was probably going to be one of the most difficult matchups to pick a winner for, the Clippers versus Houston. Because I, I think, again, six or seven games, and I have no idea who I 
think is the favorite out of this matchup. Um, I mean, both are really good teams. I think it's going to be a really fun match. I'm going to love watching Dwight Howard go against Blake Griffin. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think maybe if Chris Paul is healthy, um, we'll see how severe his injury is. Maybe we can pick the Clippers just because they were able to beat a superior team um, again with the Spurs, you know, versus Houston beating Dallas, which is another great franchise and a great team. But the Clippers were able to overcome that. Got to give them an edge over Houston. But Houston did win in such a dominant fashion, so I don't know. If let's say if Chris Paul's healthy, maybe the Clippers in seven games. There's, there's going to be a lot of fun to watch Dwight Howard and Blake Griffin going against each other. That's going to be, I, mean, I think they play each other, they're like, play the same position, but, you know, when Griffin wants to go for a layup or a dunk and you have a big <laughs> Dwight Howard yeah. blocking, or it's going to be, that's going to be fun to watch. Especially if you go to like the six, seven game, game, you know, that then is going to be really exciting. But if, if Chris Paul is, you know, hurt and can't play for an entire, you know, series injured, then I think Houston will win easier than than we think maybe within five or six games but either way it's going to be it's going to be a t- uh, an interesting fun yeah. one I, I feel like Dwight Howard has really matured this year uh which is obviously good for Houston so is James Harden because I like both of their light-hearted uh personalities but you know when, when it comes to playoff time you got to get a little bit serious and it's time to take care of business and I really feel like Dwight Howard well they both have matured but seeing how James Harden has played, I wasn't really as much surprised for him. But Dwight Howard has really matured. He's become a lot more serious. I re- and I really feel like both the Clippers and, and the Rockets are really similar in that regard. Uh, I don't think either one can win the championship. I actually, I actually text BD and I'm like, because I was, I was in my uh, depressed state of the Spurs losing, but I'm like... Uh, I said something like, uh, the Clippers just, uh, won. I, I was celebrating <laughs> drinking champagne. Man, and I, I said, uh, the Clippers just won themselves a second round lost. But, uh, I, I don't Could know. Be. Could be. But you know what? Uh, I actually do think the Clippers will win because the Spurs are the defending champion and they're good every single year. Um, the Clippers really had to do everything right to beat the Spurs. They had to, um, be mature, obviously, but they had a lot of times what happens with inexperienced teams is they sort of have a mental breakdown and maybe make one, two mistakes or sort of give up a little bit. And, uh, Clippers stuck with it, never ever gave up. I think they're gonna, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston won, but I definitely, uh, would say that I would give Clippers the mental edge. Uh, another, another side note, I thought this was funny. We're talking about how great Popovich and Doc Rivers are. Well, Doc, Doc Rivers is a guy who, first play, he's losing his voice. Last play of the game, he's losing his voice. I don't, I don't know what they're, uh, giving him a drink in LA, but, but the, but the man, but the man is always losing his voice. So, uh, yeah, they, they can afford a little bit better water than that in, in LA, man. Well, not really. They have that drought going on. Oh, that's right. So I don't think they can. Plus, they were giving all the good water to the Lakers. <laughs> so. Well, I think it's going to the almonds, the almond farms over there. All right. Well, I think that's that's it for our for our predictions. So I guess we just had a few small topics that M- MJ wanted to discuss, and I'll chime in on some of them. 
And I think that'll be it for this one. All right, so it's another hot topic corner for us. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff. Some of it we've already mentioned during our uh, playoff coverage, but I'll start with this one. Pat Riley actually made a unofficial jab, jab at LeBron James. Uh, didn't use him by name, but everybody knows who he's talking about. Pat Riley said that there will be no more smiling faces with hidden agendas in the Heat organization. I like Pat Riley. I think he, uh, I mean, I would be depressed too if I was in Miami right now. So, but, uh, you know, LeBron did everything he, he, LeBron didn't know that organization anything. He wasn't from Miami. He just went there because he was friends with Dwayne Wade and he thought it would be a better chance to win a championship. So, so I don't really think you can make a, I don't really think anybody in Miami should be mad at LeBron James because they would have not won two more championships without him. He didn't have to come there. So, so I really think it's just, uh, maybe Pat Riley's depressed about how bad the Heat are going to be. But, um, yeah, man, uh, LeBron, LeBron did his duty there and, and I don't really think that, uh, he can complain too much at all. So obviously it's that time of the year when they start to give out awards. <clears throat> ah, they didn't officially give out the MVP yet, but some of the other big ones have been announced. So I'll start off with Defensive Player of the Year because I think this one's a little bit easier. So Kawhi Leonard won Defensive Player of the Year. Let me make a few notes about the Defensive Player of the Year. First off, it's an award primarily given to centers. And the reason for that is because they st- they show up the most on a stat sheet. Um, for instance, last year, Marcus Saul won Defensive Player of the Year. The Memphis, he didn't actually have the best defensive stats, but he was the anchor at the best team defense in the NBA. So, you know, there was actually the Golden State Warriors, Green. A lot of people thought maybe he should have won a few other players. But uh, I, I like the pick. Um, he's a great player. It's hard. It's hard to be a defensive player and show up in the stat sheet when you're not a center. And he did pretty much shut down LeBron James last year. So I would, I would definitely, uh, say it's deserving. And another, and another thing is they do this all the time. So Tyson Chandler, he sort of got to make up defensive player of the year. He played great defense as a Dallas Maverick when they won the championship. Didn't win it that year, but won it the next year in New York. So I think it's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. With, with all that, I don't. I think it was a good, smart uh, choice. He definitely deserved it, especially what what they were able to do last year in the finals, and maybe sometimes that carries over in the decision making process. But yeah, you know, I agree with all that. Nothing new to add there. So moving on to Coach of the Year. Well, obviously, like every year in the NBA, there's always a lot of good candidates. Uh, Atlanta Hawks coach, I'm probably going to butcher this one, but Mike Budenholzer won it. Uh, another runner-up would be Steve Kerr from the Golden State Warriors. I, I definitely understand it, and I, I have nothing against it, because Steve Kerr obviously had more to work with. He came into a really good situation. I mean, the Warriors were already good when he got there, so... That's probably why he decided he didn't want to go to New York Knicks. But, um, yeah, Atlanta doesn't really have a true superstar, as they say, and he did a good job. So 
Good for him. Yeah, no, I mean, not a not a bad decision. I I still probably would have liked a little bit more if it was Steve Kerr, just because being able to win that many games in a very competitive Western Conference. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that Atlanta has improved a lot from over last year, so it was a it was a good good decision. Moving on to other coaching news, Thunder decided to fire Scott Brooks. And stupid decision in my <laughs> opinion. I don't like that at all. Um, you know, being a professional coach is a luxury. Um, I don't know what the average lifespan of a coach in professional sports is, but it's really short. It's probably like two years or a year. Scott Brooks had a good run. I'm not surprised that they fired him. Was it fair? No, it wasn't fair. I mean, both his best players are injured half the year and they still almost make the playoffs. But, um, it's just really weird how it works. George Carl did an amazing job with the Denver Nuggets for years. He finally wins Coach of the Year, and then they fire him back. Yeah, and now look at them. Now they suck. They haven't been relevant. In <laughs> right. a I, don't, I don't understand the thinking of, of uh, Thunder organization, Oklahoma City. I think they made a big mistake. I mean, consistently, year after year, they're one of the best teams, and the only reason they didn't you know, make it this year is because Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were injured for, I mean, Kevin Durant for most of the season and Russell Westbrook for almost, you know, a, a huge chunk. And still they're within, they have the same record as the number eight seed. And there's nothing he can do about, you know, injuries, obviously. So I don't understand. I mean, you know, they, they've been to the finals. They've been a competitive team for a long time. I don't understand why he was fired. In my opinion, I think that was a really stupid decision. But you look at also what happened in, in Utah with Jerry Sloan after he was let go. Yeah. The team went from being competitive. Sure, they they got, you know, beat every year by the Lakers. <laughs> they went to the playoff. But at least they went. And obviously, you know, they'd lost some players since then, too. It wasn't just the coach. But all those, you know, teams like George Carl and Denver, they had, since he's been gone, they really haven't been relevant at all. And there's more than to it than just the coach. But Yeah, I mean, Alvin Gentry, if you remember him, he's a good coach. A good young player coach, coach for Phoenix, he got fired and they were in the playoffs. And then, uh, Memphis has a good coach, but the one they fired, uh, I think it was Lionel Hollins, he coaches the, uh, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. So, with a horrible team, but, you know, it's just, uh, so like, I mean, first off, like the Thunder's real problem was their interior scoring, which they tried to address by getting some trades from Utah, but, what bothers me most about the Thunder is the new coach they hired because these, for whatever reason, these owners, these owners, in my eyes, they always go for the romantic pick, as I like to say. They always go for the guy who seems exciting, but really, you shouldn't go for the exciting hire. You should go for the best hire. And I sort of feel like that's what Cleveland did too. They was like, okay, let's get this Euro coach champion. And, uh, it's a big difference between Europe and the NBA. But uh they hired Billy Donovan, an amazing college coach who won back-to-back championships with University of Florida. But I don't, you know, I'm not for it because I actually don't like when they hire college coaches because he's got now he's got to have a learning curve to learn the NBA game. And college is a lot more about the system and less about the players than the NBA. So, so either you know you've got two players in their prime and you know, he might become a great coach in the NBA, but if he's not a great coach, then basically you're taking two players in their prime 
and you're potentially wasting a year of their career. So, I mean, if I was going to get a coach, I would, especially, especially with a team with veteran players, I would definitely go for an NBA vet like a Mark Jackson, somebody, somebody who I know knows the NBA game. At the same time, you know, you got to give people a chance and some player, some coaches do rise to the occasion and become great. So maybe he'll be the exception, but. I mean, for me, it's like not only did they fire a good coach, but, you know, sort of hesitant with the one they replaced him with. I guess the last hot topic is uh, they're actually talking about this, the first round of the playoffs versus the Mavs and Rockets. It actually got brought up in the news again. They asked Dirk Nowinski if he would be willing to come off the bench as a sixth man. For me personally, I actually disagree with this because you don't become one of the top 10 players in NBA franchise, NBA scoring history, and then come off the bench in my eyes. I feel like he's way too good to come off the bench. And I feel like um, when you have a good player like that, you know, they get older, you, sup- you surround them with players that compensate for their weaknesses. So I don't know. I just feel like it's not about ego for me. It's just the fact that it's not like he was a all-star who became a role player and now they're asking him to come off the bench he's one of the top 10 scorers of all time so i just feel like dirt Nowinski should never come off the bench in his career yeah i don't i don't know who, who brought that up i don't agree with it either you know, guys like dirk and duncan shouldn't be coming off the bench i mean the, the only player i can think of is alan iverson and in his situation i understood because practice you're talking about <laughs> well, with Allen Iverson, he had been out of the league, yeah. And I and I, you know, it was a different situation. He had been out of the league, and obviously, going back, if you remember, Allen Iverson had a chance with the Memphis Grizzlies, but he didn't want to come off the bench. For me, I felt like for him, he he could have all he had to do was earn his starting spot back. But the Dirt Nowinski situation is different because. He's still playing well with the franchise, and I don't know. I just think it would. Uh... Yeah, I mean, they won over fifty games this year, and they played. They just played against a better team. You know, Houston was just. I think. You know, I I didn't before the series started think they were, but you actually watched them play. Yeah, they they were, and that that's all that happened. I think kind of the same thing with the Spurs. They're just you know a little older. I mean, a little, you know, um, and a little weary from you know, two straight finals appearances. And they just kind of met a team that was just as good and maybe a little bit better this year. Because, so I think that's all that happened. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Mavs and, and how Dirk is playing. He definitely wasn't the problem or the reason they lost. <laughs> yeah, I think they just, uh, they, maybe they jumped to conclusions or jumped to a news story. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, I mean, that would just be so stupid. You have one of the best players on your team and, and now you're not going to start him. I don't get that philosophy. Right. Kind of like last year, like LeBron. He definitely wasn't the reason that they didn't win the championship. Yeah. He, sure, he could have done a little bit more, I think, in, in some areas, but it definitely wasn't his fault that they didn't beat the Spurs. Definitely. All right, so that is the that is it for the Hop Topics corner of the conversation. Uh, we'll be back again to cover what happened in the semifinals. Second round in the semifinals, s- yeah. Is it? Yeah, I in, guess. In the uh, second round of the playoffs and uh, see if there's any upsets as usual. And hopefully I won't be too depressed if 
Cavaliers lose to the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for tuning in. I'm MJ. BD. And uh, we'll catch you next time with more insights. Go Cavs, baby. <laughs>